I love that song. Thank you. And I love the man that I am privileged to introduce to you as our preacher today. Let me encourage you. Let me speak life to you. Reverend Elijah Neely has encouraged me countless times and has spoken life to me for many years. Indeed, he spoke life to me through some of the publications that he had written before I actually met him in person. I met him in person in New York City where we were both living and working in 2001 and we began a personal relationship at that time that blessedly continues to this day. Reverend Elijah is from Philadelphia, has called New York home for a very long time now, has been an ordained minister with Metropolitan Community Churches since the 1980s. He has served as a local church pastor as well as what is the equivalent of our regional elder, indeed for Texas and some related territories uh, during that tenure in service. He will soon have his PhD in uh, social work from Hunter College in New York City. And in that uh, area of his life, his vocation, he has served extensively as a consultant, a counselor, a therapist, a group leader, and very notably as the deputy executive director of the LGBT Center in New York City, one of the largest lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community centers in the world. He did that for 12 years. Yes. Um, passionately committed to our wellness, our wellness, the wellness of our community. Uh, he has lived what it means to be authentic and willing to walk through the difficulty of growth and healing and pain so that indeed life will be made more abundant in individual and collective lives. There are many more things that I could say about him. What I can tell you is that he does indeed speak life because he is willing to live it. And I hope that his message today is encouraging to you of that. Please let us welcome Reverend Elijah Neely. Good morning. If you love your God today, say amen. amen. Good, you're out there. All right, you're awake. I'm so excited and happy to be sharing this worship celebration with you today and was delighted last night to be able to join the congregation at the Transgender Unity Banquet. And it's wonderful to be able to sort of move into another community at times and see people's connections to each other. And I felt so moved last night by the ways the trans community in Houston was about the business of caring for each other and uh, so moved by the allies that were at the banquet uh, working alongside our community for justice and, and dignity for all of us and uh, just was grateful for the opportunity and the privilege of sharing that last night. And I uh, lived and worked in Texas as a regional coordinator in the late 90s for a number of years and I'm always excited when I have an excuse to duck back into Texas for a little while and yesterday afternoon uh, Reverend Kristen took me to a Borders and, you know, one of the great deficits in New York City, there are many things that I love about New York, but one of the great deficits is, is in that incredibly large city, we do not have a single country western radio station. 
I, I don't know how that could be. Certainly, there are plenty of Texas transplants in New York. But uh, I went yesterday to Borders, and they were having a great 50% off sale in CDs. And so I stocked up so I'd have some new music to take back with me to New York. And, uh, and I'm just delighted to be here with you and to share in uh, the warm, warm Texas hospitality that I experience here. Pray with me as we begin to reflect on this morning's reading. Spirit of healing and justice, we thank you for all of the ways that you are present and alive within each and every one of us here in this place this morning. We thank you for the ways you've journeyed before us and beside us and brought us to this moment in time. And we ask that in the next few moments, you would open our hearts and our minds to the new truths that you have for us. That you would quiet those places of fear and anxiety within us so that we could hear your voice speaking to us, calling us into the fullness of who you've created us to be. In your many names we pray, amen. In an essay entitled, Hiding as Unhealthy for the Soul, Jewish lesbian Rachel Waba writes, sometimes it happens before you even know it. You find yourself passing through life quietly, politely not flaunting those differences about yourself that the other person might not easily understand, integrate, or like. Do you know what she's talking about there? In contrast, coming out, that great metaphor of so many of our journeys, coming out is about shattering the silence. It's about speaking the truth of who we are. It's about the power of being seen. And because of this, we all know that coming out is a continual process, one that's never over in our lives. As that 1987 March on Washington slogan said, no matter how far out of the closet you are, you have another step to take. Amen? When I was young, and this might be true for some of you as well, I was an avid reader. I devoured every book I could get my hands on. And I went through phases in my choices of books. There was a sort of nature stories phase and a mysteries phase and a science fiction phase. And around 9 or 10, I had a biography phase. And I will never forget reading the biography of Charles Drew. Charles Drew was an African-American medical doctor and scientist who was instrumental in discovering the different types of human blood. This amazing discovery meant that finally, doctors could give blood transfusions safely. Years later, Drew was in a serious automobile accident. He was taken to the hospital, badly bleeding. The only way he might live was if he received an immediate transfusion. His blood type was available, but the doctor in charge refused to administer a transfusion because it was the blood of a white person. And so, because of the racist structures in which we live, Charles Drew, 
the man who discovered how to safely transfuse human blood, died. That story has stuck with me since I was nine years old. And I share it because reading that biography was part of my coming out as a white person. You see, we come out all the time in all kinds of ways. Certainly as gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people and our allies, but we also face the challenges of coming out in many other ways. As people of justice in a racist society, as people of color, as people who live with HIV and AIDS, some of us come out as people in recovery. We all need to come out as people of faith in a culture that's so often riddled with despair. In each of these scenarios, we have to grapple with the discrepancies between who we are and want to be versus what we have been taught is acceptable by the mainstream culture. And I want to talk today about this kind of coming out as a path to recovery, healing, and hope. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Amen? There was an old poster that had that saying on it and added the phrase at the end, but first it will make you miserable. Sometimes the truth feels like that, yes? Some of us are fortunate enough to discover the truth about who we are early on in life. For others of us, it takes a long time to get to the core of our being. I was a young, gender different child, born in a girl's body, but knowing there was something different about me. At eight and nine years of age, I hoarded toilet paper tubes so I could pee standing up. By the age of 12, I was pretty depressed and suicidal. I spent much of my adolescence nearly drinking and drugging myself to death, trying to numb out all the ways it felt like my body was betraying me. I hated, as I turned 13, the way my chest was changing. I hated the monthly menstrual reminders that my body didn't match the way I felt inside. But I didn't have the words to speak about what was going on inside me, and I was afraid to speak the truth. I knew that I was attracted to girls, and so in late adolescence, when I discovered there were lesbians, I figured that must be what I was. And then I discovered there was such a thing as a butch lesbian, and that helped a little bit more at the time. At least I could wear the kind of clothes that felt like me. But I was still carrying inside me the secret of how much I hated my body. I would wear long, dangly earrings so as not to cause too much stir when I entered the ladies' room. I bought suits as your district coordinator with skirts and tried to pretend that my body fit me. I tried to convince myself for a while over the last 10 years that I had already lived much of my life as a lesbian. Surely I could finish out my life this way. Then finally, just a little over three years ago, I spoke the truth about my gender dysphoria and began the process of coming out once again. 
It's been an amazing journey, filled with some challenges, but mostly marked by immense delight. When I wake up in the morning today and look in the mirror, I want to laugh out loud with joy because I can finally see me. I can remember the day two years ago when I walked my dog in the park and realized for the first time that I could see myself reflected in the world around me as I passed other men walking their dogs. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Feminist theologian Rosemary Radford Ruther writes, it is by generating stories of our own crisis and hope and telling them to one another that we light the path. Last summer, I had the opportunity to do some work for the Human Rights Campaign, developing transgender liturgical resources for their website. I spent three days in a room with 12 other transgender theological nerds. Talk about heaven. It was wonderful. And much of what we did was tell our stories to each other, and in the course of doing so, we laughed and cried and found our healing together. And I think that what Ruther is saying is that coming out, speaking the truth of who we are and our life experiences is a powerful spiritual tool for healing. Amen? So I want you to think for a moment today in your life recently. In what ways have you been silent? or perhaps allowed others to silence you? Where is it that you need to find your voice right now? What is the next step that you need to take to move through the pain of hiding some part of yourself and into the joy of being seen for who you really are? Some years ago, my partner at the time and I were traveling in Ireland. We spent the whole day traveling on back roads looking for a particular set of cliffs that was in the guidebook. We finally found them late in the afternoon, and we climbed down to the bottom to this wonderful little rocky beach area. We spent about an hour or two enjoying the quiet and the beauty of that place, and as the sun started to set, we headed back up the steep incline. When we arrived at the car, my partner asked me, do you have the keys? I replied, no, sweetheart, you were driving. We searched all over, but no keys on the ground by the car, and so we headed back down the hill to look for the keys on the beach. And all the way down that incline, I prayed hard to find those keys. But when we got to the bottom, Much to our dismay, we could see that the tide was now coming in and the beach was nearly gone and there was no doubt that finding these keys was a hopeless endeavor. And feeling my anger and frustration begin to creep in, you know how that is. All the way back up the hill, I prayed again, this time repeating over and over again, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The Hebrew story that we heard from the book of Esther offers a powerful lesson in acceptance and change. 
When the story takes place, the Jews were living in exile, and by simply being in the right place at the right moment, Esther, a Jewish woman, ends up being chosen as the new queen. As she assumes this role, her cousin Mordecai, recognizing the Jews' oppressed position in that culture, counsels her not to reveal her true identity. Now this is our story, listen. Because in other words, he advises her to pass. Sound familiar? Sometime later, a highly placed government official begins to weave an anti-Semitic plot that culminates in a plan to exterminate all the Jews living in Persia. And Esther's cousin Mordecai sends another message to her, this time telling her that the Jewish people's survival depends on her. She must go to the king and advocate on her people's behalf. Esther replies and reminds her cousin of the Persian law which prohibits anyone from approaching the king without being summoned upon penalty of death and adds that it has now been 30 days since the king has asked to see her. Esther struggles with her decision but finally issues this reply that we heard today. Go and gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and fast and pray for three days and three nights and I will fast with you and after that I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I die, I die. From an LGBT perspective, Esther summons up her courage and comes out to the king, claiming her true identity, speaking the truth of who she really is, and taking her rightful place alongside her people whose very lives are in danger. The story of Esther's courage to come out is a story for all of us. We cannot always control the circumstances of our lives, we definitely cannot control other people's reactions and responses to us. Amen? But we can. We can summon up the courage to live as honestly and authentically as possible in each moment. To be honest, in my Lost Keys in Ireland story, I wanted to kind of hang out in my powerlessness. I wanted to focus on the things I couldn't change in that moment. The lost keys, my partner's carelessness, the way this was going to ruin our evening. Instead, I used the serenity prayer to focus my power on what I could change, letting go of those keys, opening myself perhaps to an unexpected travel adventure enjoying my partner's company regardless of our circumstances. And in doing so, I discovered a powerful spiritual truth. Coming out as a person of faith, coming out as a person who trusts the results to God, leads to the transformation of ourselves and our circumstances. Amen? 
Get this, that evening while we waited for Ireland's version of AAA to arrive, my partner and I found ourselves in the home of Patty and Mrs. O'Byrne, having knocked on their door to use their phone, having tea and supper with them, visiting and sharing our family stories. It was a wonderful evening, and one that never would have transpired without a set of lost keys and a choice to live fully and authentically in the present moments. And so I ask you to reflect this morning. Are there places in your life right now where you are feeling caught up in the past? Regretting earlier choices or fretting over what might seem like a missed opportunity? Or maybe there are places where you are living in fear about the future. I wonder even if there are some of us here who have been feeling like victims and caught in the anger and resentment of feeling powerless in our lives. Esther's decision to come out was a decision to live fully in the moment and not allow her life to be dictated by regret or fear. When Esther is struggling with that decision about whether or not to come out to the king, her cousin Mordecai sends her a message. What he cautions her is this. Do not think that just because you are in the king's palace, you will escape more than any of the other Jews. For if you keep silent, he says, at such a time as this, Deliverance will rise up for the Jews from another source, but you and your family will perish. Who knows, he says to Esther, who knows, perhaps you have come to the royal palace for just such a time as this. Last year marked the 30th anniversary of the assassination of San Francisco City Supervisor Harvey Milk, our country's first openly gay elected official. Elected in 1977, Milk was a hero of hope whose legacy continues to speak powerfully to us today. Have some of you seen the recent movie about his life? It's a wonderful reflection on our history and speaks powerfully to us as a people even some 30 years later, and I encourage you to rent the DVD if you've not seen it. Despite losing three elections in a row, Harvey Milk refused to give up his belief that he had a role to play in proclaiming hope for all people. Despite the homophobic rhetoric and actions of those around him and even people in the gay community at the time that encouraged him not to flaunt his identity too much, Harvey Milk refused to give up his hope that together you and I could build a better world. Let's take a look for a moment at a video clip that features the text and his voice from one of his most moving speeches.
What Harvey Milk is saying to us, even today in this speech, is that coming out is a powerful spiritual tool for building community and generating hope. Amen? Two weeks ago this weekend, I had the blessing of training 75 people in Boise, Idaho, gay, lesbian, straight, and trans-identified folks in how to educate their faith communities about gender identity. It was an amazing gathering where we used a wonderful new curriculum that HRC has developed. Several trans folks spoke to me afterward about how important it was for them to see me up front presenting, to hear my witness as an out trans man and clergy person, to experience my joy in being free to be who I am. They talked about what a powerful message of hope I brought simply by being visible. You see, coming out and speaking the truth of who we are is not only a tool for healing and transformation in our own lives, it's a profound spiritual vehicle for transforming the lives of those around us in our communities and indeed throughout the world because our very visibility generates hope. Amen? Just a month before he and Mayor George Moscone were brutally gunned down by their colleague Dan White, Harvey Milk penned these words. I can be killed with ease. I can be cut right down, but I cannot fall back into my closets. I have grown. I am not by myself. I am too many. I am all of us. People of God at Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church, we too have grown. We too are no longer by ourselves, amen? We too can no longer afford to fall back into our closets. People all over this city and the surrounding communities, even throughout Texas and the world, need your witness and your message. They need the hope that you can offer by being willing to come out as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, people of faith, and allies. Who knows, Resurrection? Who knows whether you have come to the beginning of your 38th year of existence for just such a time as this, amen? Marianne Williamson writes, We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in all of us. And as we let our own light shine, 
we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Resurrection, don't hide your light under a bushel. You and you and you and you, you have to give them hope. Amen.